Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the RAC podcast, the Welsh Regional Rugby Appreciation Pod, where we try to cover all the important issues on and off the field in Welsh regional and national rugby. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, all of that information is at the end, so you'll just have to bear with us and get to that bit. In the meantime, enjoy this week's show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rap Podcast, the Welsh Regional Rugby Appreciation Pod. See how slow I took that? Yeah, see how I had to slow that one down because I keep getting it wrong. Every week we do this and I'll get that wrong at least once, probably twice. And that's, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, joining me as always this evening is Jamie, Reese, and Carwin. Good evening, gents. How are you all? How's it going? You all right, boys? Yeah, so yeah. Reese has lost his echo, which is hey. good news. Hey. <laughs> yeah, good evening, guys. Yeah, good evening. Can I just us... say before we start, sorry, Gossie, yes, I know you were keen about, but I'm really excited about our next guest because I know I'm going to sound like a cringy fanboy, but I have been a fan, you know, <laughs> I have been a fan of this guy for years and I love his videos. I'm absolutely delighted he's joining us tonight. He's actually agreed to come on the pod and I really appreciate it. It's Rasmus. It <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How many times have we had to change your pants today, Jane, knowing that he was coming on tonight? I'm very excited and I won't lie about it, okay? Hey, I've had the same thing. I've had to change my own pants so many times thinking of coming on here. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I'm shitting myself. Am I allowed to swear? I haven't checked that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, for those of you that don't recognize that voice, that is the voice of the one and only Squidge Rugby. So, Robbie, good evening and welcome to the pod, my friend. Oh, good evening. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. What a week. What a week to be here. <laughs> what, what a week. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, <sighs> Normally, we, we crack on straight with the rugby and all that kind of stuff, mm. but we've got so much other stuff to get through. But before we do anything, let's just get some admin out the way. Drink of the week, boys. What, what drink of the week have we got? 
Right, who's going first? Well, me, me Jamie, as I'm talking. Jamie wants, yeah, Jamie wants to go last because he's going to start a fight with someone <laughs> about Tiny Rebel Beer. So let's let's leave Jamie. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Carwin, what have you got, mate? All right, so like I said, I am on the King of Beers. Just the one, just the one tonight. It's not even shown on the screen. The Budweiser, um, which is going on lovely. It's the only one I'm having tonight, as I am working tomorrow. But I just want to raise my Budweiser to Mr. Squidge there, as a fellow, as, as a fellow Osprey. It's good, it's good to have some support on the show tonight. Thank you. Oh, Cheers. Well, you're going to need it, mate. You're going to need it. <laughs> Reese, what have you got, mate? Um. I, I'm going to look like I've got a problem. Like, I've got a, a crafted rum and coke tonight because I couldn't find any beer in there. Ooh. Is that so, a pint glass? It, it, it's a larger glass, but it's full of coke. Like, I, <laughs> I'm, like I'm not hammering the rum tonight, like, isn't it? Crikey. So, Squidge, what, mm. what have you got, mate? Um, I've got a cup of tea because... <laughs> Excellent. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I've only had three today so far, and I've got to get up to my usual limit before I, you know, before I can start on anything else. You know, I've I've got I've got to have drank at least seven or eight by eight PM. So it might be a busy (laughs) next 20 minutes. Uh, well, I've got a bottle of uh, American IPA um, by Shipyard. It's an American one. It's called Shipyard. I don't know if Shipyard's the name of the beer or the name of the company. Yeah, I like um, that. It's good stuff, man. Have you tried it before? Yeah, it's there. I'm tapping a few pubs around Cardiff. Is it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. All oh, right. Must be a Cardiff thing then. Yeah, well, it's 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 very nice. All right, Jamie, what sack of shit Ooh. have you got this <laughs> evening, mate? Well, you know what time it is, boys, today. Uh, it's tiny it's... rebel time. <laughs> oh yes. Go on. And this and this week, I have got. I gotta get this right. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's cookie dough biscuit mix millionaire oh shortbread. Oh my god! <laughs> That's Jamie horrendous. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's sweet as fuck. It's sweet as Where fuck. did I get this Jesus from? Jesus Christ! It's oh. the first time I tried it. I went in Tiny Rebel today and I picked up a can. But um, I've got to be careful on this, mate, because you know what the percentage is? Oh, it's got to be what's 7%, wow. isn't it? It's fucking 8%. Oh, <laughs> man, you're going to be bollocks. Well, and I'm fucked, prediction. basically, so i got to be careful now. I can't drink too many of them. Oh, but, uh, yeah, Every Tiny Rebel, would... lovely. Every week when you say, like, you know, I, I just think um, it can't get any worse, the flavours, but you just, you top it every week, like, yeah. isn't it? Do you remember when we started this, you said you didn't want to do beer of the week because you, you, you don't drink during the week. No, I <laughs> did say 8%, that. 8%, James. Talk about well, that's your fault. 8%. 8%. This is what this podcast has done to me. I'm drinking now, during the week, every week, and I never used to do that, so that's your fault, and you've got yeah, your responsibility no. for that. Uh, that and Welsh rugby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it works rugby will do that to you, mate. Yeah. So, a few years ago, Jamie, we met in Tiny Rebel in Cardiff. We did. It was Judgment after Judgment Day. Day. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you exclusively sponsored by them, or are you? <laughs> is it some kind of like? He's trying. Like, <laughs> the episode of Community where they have a student sponsor who renames himself Subway as a subliminal marketing thing. Are you just following me with Tiny Rebel branding at all times to get me drinking their cookie dough beers? It would be my absolute dream to be sponsored by Tiny Rebel. But grab from the Rock and Roll podcast, he tripped up. He tripped oh, in the on the weekend. Oh. He didn't like me talking about Tiny Rebel. No. Well, sorry, Grav, I am. And I'm going to continue to do it. But what I will say is this. 
if because he wants Tiny Rebel to sponsor his podcast, right? If they do decide, or in all serious, if Tiny Rebel do decide to sponsor the Rock and Roll podcast, um, I'm boycotting their products. And <laughs> I am never house. setting foot in a Tiny Rebel pub again. So, and to be fair, I've given Tiny Rebel a lot of PR on this podcast, haven't I, boys? I've drunk you know, pretty much all their beers now. So, if they're listening, do we even um, sponsor? Please do. It's but a line of drunk sand. Yeah, you drunk that peanut butter shit that they do as oh well. Oh my god! I mean, oh yeah, peanut butter and cookie. That's 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 fucking dedicated. That is, man. Yeah. <laughs> but also, cookie dough biscuit mix millionaire shortbread. That's the full also, title. Also, if, if if Budweiser are listening, we can have to be sponsored by <laughs> you as well. <laughs> or yeah. tea, you know, or tea or in general. Tea text. <laughs> yeah. Oh crikey! Uh, what we do, Jamie, is we'll set up a fight on Judgment Day. Yeah, we'll set up a little fight in the middle, in between you and Grav, like in between the games. <laughs> and oh, wins. I don't want to be fighting then. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't want to. I'm sure Grav's a lovely bloke. I'm sure he is. I don't want to fight. Get him. those big sumo suits <laughs> and, and have, it, have it done properly. <laughs> you, right. You've got to sink a can of the peanut butter and the cookie dough before you get into the. All oh, right, you're going too far now, mate. Yeah. Come on, now this is getting silly. Now. Come on, <laughs> fuck it now. Right, let's get uh, into the rugby. Come on, yeah, yeah. let's yes. do rugby. I mean, I'll be honest. As a Scarlets fan, I love the weekend. Um, <laughs> But if you boys want to start on some of the other stuff, let's, mate, let's we start can't, with... mate, we can't hear you. You're on mute. We can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with uh, with Squidge. What, what did you make of the rugby the weekend, mate? Oh, it was sad. Um, it was. <laughs> I didn't enjoy quite a lot of it. I'll I'll be honest with you. We've also hit that point in the season where, when the Ospreys lost on the Friday night, I then would normally watch. The Cardiff game and I had it kind of a lot of doubt and everything. Uh trying really hard not to call them the blues as I normally still do. Um <laughs> I then it's then at that point in the season now where normally I just, you know, even though the Ospreys primarily, uh, up until the last few weeks of the season when you need the results to go your way, I will just cheer for any of the Welsh teams at any given point. Um, you know, because it's all for the good of the national team, etc. Um, and I want to see them all doing well. But it's at that point in the season now, the slightly depressing point, where it's like, oh, no, I want Benetton to be beating Cardiff so that we can win the <laughs> beloved Welsh Shield. And then it got to a point when they won, where you're like, I now just want all the others to lose, so we're all miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, that's true. And let's be honest, like Cardiff have won stuff badly against Benetton in the past, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> but that, that game on Friday, that the, the Ospreys game on Friday, was just... It was horrendous. There was about five minutes in the first half where I thought, all right, they might they might be trying to compete. Mm. They might be coming back into this. And the rest of it was just a pound in and a half. It was... I mean, I enjoyed it, obviously, as a scarlet supporter, <laughs> oh. you know. It was... Stop rubbing salt in the wound, man. Yeah. Come on. Hey, it, listen, it, listen it, it was horrendous. You know, like I, like I mentioned online, you know, the, the boys wore their hearts on their sleeve. They tried mm. their best with everything that's going on at the moment. No, no squad, no squad players released back to to the region. You know, I think like like a, I think the Scarlets were missing four players, but you know they got their internationals, their foreign overseas internationals in the squad. 
Dragons turned up really well. I, I watched the first, you know, 20 minutes, thought, oh, you know, they're one of the great shots you like, and then obviously went down south. And Cardiff clearly had a good game. But all those teams were missing hardly any players. And like I said, with all, all the things going on at the moment in Welsh rugby, you could see it. You could see it. They were, they were drained, absolutely mm. drained, emotional. And it, it was hard to take, like, because I tell you what, a full-strength loss race turned up without a Munster, it would have been a different scoreline. I'm telling you right now, it would have been a different scoreline. Yeah, sure enough. and I think that actually when you look at that game, there were a handful of really key moments in the first 20-odd minutes that if you maybe had like, so you had a handful of lineouts. so I think the Ospreys' first four lineouts, they tried the same move in Elvis Tione, balls it up, oh, and then, yeah. you know, trying to do that wrap around this very popular modern hookers who, you know, have great skill sets. Elvis Tione is 39 and, you know, like played for Tonga in, you know, like five World Cups ago. Like he is a hooker with a certain skill set. And that is not a move that plays to his certain skill set, I think. Um, and you have that kind of, so the Ospreys, and then the next one he overthrew. Um, so the Ospreys failed to win, essentially. They lost the ball on, I think, their first five lineouts. Yes. So you have that. And then you have the fact that there were maybe, I think there were maybe like four big refereeing decisions in that first 20 minutes. Uh, that could have gone either way. And one of them was the Bradley Davis card that should probably should have, at least could have been a red, ended up being a yellow. Uh, but the other things like Simon Zebo having a um, hands on the floor that gets given as a knock-on when the player didn't touch it when it went forward. And a few things like that started to compile. And suddenly when the Ospreys have had maybe nine moments of momentum go against them in the first 20 minutes, it started to all be a bit hopeless. And I think once Munster got the bonus point on half time, after having had this like relentless momentum, like everything being handed to them by the Ospreys primarily, um, it started to get quite ugly. And I think, as you said, if you could have just dropped maybe one or two players in there, if you could have dropped, even if it's Scott Baldwin or someone in, and they're able to secure more of their own lineup ball, I think things could have been different and it could have been not saying they would have won, but it, yeah, it would have been a different yeah. game that wouldn't have screwed over the points difference going forward for the rest of the season. Um, and I think it just, it then the moment things start to go badly, it kind of all fell into the sheer doom and gloom this week. And you look at the press conferences, both Booth and, um, Bradley Davis, when they did the kind of the talk this week, almost the entire thing was about the issues as I, you know, most of the podcasters imagine will go on to reflect that because that is the topic of discussion. And there's maybe one question to each of them about the Munster game. And that kind of felt like it took over. It kind of became that game became more about the state of Welsh rugby this week and the, indeed in general than it became about how good the Ospreys are versus how good Munster are once. I said the Ospreys had lost a little bit of confidence. At least that's how it, it felt to me once I had a moment to reflect on it. Because at the time, it just yeah. felt like, this is horrible. But I've always said, like, you know, in previous Six Nations, oh, sorry, in previous Six Nations, that the Ospreys always seem to end up playing these stronger teams during the Six Nations. Mm. There, should be, there should be a gap. When the Six Nations is on, there is no rugby. Or if, if the rugby's on, the players get released. Like, there's no, no, there was no choice with English base players going back mm. and playing and there shouldn't be a choice for the lads to go back to play for the regions you know it's what their it's their primary function is to play for the region they're paid to play for the regions i think and and it's tough well, i just think it's tough you know um, yeah i think that's I a think lot of the problem is just how much of this welsh squad is english and french based so they just needed the numbers for training yeah and yeah. that then well, becomes you know the ospreys are disproportionately affected by that yeah or there should be a block during the six nations mm. 
So it's fair because it's like I said, it's an important time of the season for all regions to mm. climb that climb that ladder and to have that break, either giving the lads rest or whatever. It, it's just, it's just, I think it's just unfair. I think it, well, uh, it, just, it just shows the league in a bad light. Just for context, Carlos. So Ireland had twelve players released back to their provinces. Um, Scotland released eight back to their clubs. Wales released zero. Now, it, on the one hand, right. These players do provide really good prep. They, they are important for the preparation of test matches, okay? Mm. But then on the other hand, why can't Wales release the likes of Bradley Roberts, Aaron Wainwright, Mason Grady, Kieran Williams, Teddy Williams? Why can't they release them? Surely it'd be in the best interest for them to get some game time under their belts. What harm is it doing just to release three, four, five players? And, you know, if, if Scotland and Ireland can do it, why can't Wales? You know, that's why mm. I struggled with this week, you know? If they do get released, so the likes of Zamet and what have you, what day do they go back to clubs? Do you know how much training are they actually missing to go back for that game? I, I don't think they're missing a massive amount of training. There's maybe a session on a Friday that they might miss, and if they've had a really rough weekend, there might be a session on a Monday that they might miss. In the big scheme of things, that's not a massive amount for those players to miss and, and particularly players like Kieran Williams um, a couple of the others who just haven't featured so far Mason Grady people yeah like that's that. what I'm saying but what's Teddy the harm in they, they need game time don't they yeah Teddy Williams, mm-hmm. is Teddy Williams he started two started. games of the season yeah yeah it's crazy and both and those players like Teddy Williams and uh, Mason Grady he's just like they, they are coming on leaps and bounds for their region sort of thing and now they're getting no no sort of gains and no sort of development no sort of uh, and they, they were just playing so well and Mason Grady sort of played that role that they're, they're choosing um, North for can't he like isn't it that, that, mm. that North isn't performing at the moment like well, he knows what he's doing a reason isn't he like he's there for that big number 13 uh, and, and that's something even though he's inexperienced but you know the, the state of the, the Welsh performances at the moment why not show uh, through Mason Grady? Well, we will have them in Kieran Williams. Kieran Williams, Mason Grady centre partnership, or Tompkins Grady with Kieran Williams on the bench. We'll yeah. do that later, mate. We'll do squad selection when Jamie's finished his beer. It's better these players to play than hold tackle backs, I think. I, I just don't <laughs> yeah. see the harm in them getting, like, you know, Gatlin could even say to him, OK, we're going to release you back to your regions, but you only want him playing 50, 60 minutes. And, pull him up. Yeah. and it's something, isn't it? He could have done that. It could have been a bit of compromise, but just to go, no. And then, you know, you see Ireland releasing 12 players and Scotland releasing eight. I think it stinks a little bit. I've got to be fair. They really do. So if you were if you were analysing that game on Friday then, Rob, Mm. How long would it take you to to go through that video, and, and how long would your video be of, of of that game? It would either be three hours or two minutes, and there'd be no in between. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would, yeah. I think I said a lot of it. I think there was a lot of key turning points in that first kind of twenty odd minutes. Is something that Toby Booth constantly mentions. You know, I quite enjoy playing Toby Booth Bingo when listening to interviewed because he says bits and pieces a lot. Um, and he says he'll use the word effort in every single interview. He'll talk about the effort constantly. Um, 
And the other thing that he brings up a lot is he says, you know, we were in games they win, he'll say we won the key moments, or in the games they lost, narrowly it'll be we lost the key moments. Yes, and, I know this stuff. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something in that though. I think there's like it's something yeah. unquantifiable. You can't put in stats, but like mm. the Ospreys on sat on Friday lost all of the key moments, like every single one. And normally a team of their ability. And like we talk about the the players that weren't released. I think that's still quite a strong Ospreys team on paper. And it's the team that played a lot of last season um, when you had so many players injured or out for other reasons. Um, like, I don't think it was as weak a team as that, as that scoreboard would suggest, uh, but it'd be looking at that. And then obviously they have to go, go, oh, okay, I've got to talk about Munster, even though hashtag squidge hates Ireland, apparently. Um, Cause I think there's a lot that was right and going well with, with Munster as well. But I mean, that, that's so from a Scarlet point of view, we're playing Munster next. Mm. And we, we could have done with you beating a couple of them up. We could have done with a, we could have done with a bit of a ruck every now and again and a bit of a shoe in and at least a couple of them injured. We had fuck all boys. There was yeah. 15 of them walked off the pitch in, in, in no. perfect condition. Fully pumped up Gavin Coombs coming your way, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yay! That's <laughs> <laughs> good though, isn't he? So and I can't wait it. to watch that game. I'll be dressed in my my red Munster shirt, drinking uh, Irish ale, <laughs> watching the game. Come on, I'll show you in your teeth as well. Should we all need to be sticking together? But yeah, with yeah. you, Calvin, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you boys are just jealous. So let's talk about the dragon stuffing then. Um, uh, oh. for... I mean, in all honesty, for about 20 minutes of that game, James, I I thought, you know, like I said to you, I thought my, my prediction of a narrow Dragons win looked... Well, that was just stupid. Why the fuck you said that for? That was just... It was just being silly. <laughs> narrow Dragons win. <laughs> but it was. It was for, for 20-odd minutes, your boys were in that game and showed mm. that they can compete. It just, it just went to there shit some, after that. There were some massive hits going in. Absolutely, some cracking tackles going in the mm. first twenty minutes, and I thought, oh, they're really up for this. They, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe a so, chance. And then I I'll try and keep. I want to keep this brief because we got bigger stuff to move on to, and I <laughs> don't want to keep talking about the dragons if I was. It's just going to bring me down. The first <laughs> thing to say is, last week I predicted a thirty-point win to Leinster, and it mm. was actually twenty-nine points, so yeah. it was one point out. That's the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing I wanted to say. You can, James. Oh, well, yeah. Just, you, <laughs> all comes to I was close. You predicted right? that your boys are going to get an absolute shaft in, and you were right. And, and that's is, your that's positive. You, you, <laughs> to be fair, now, it was one point better than you expected. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> to, to be fair, right? Why was? So, what I was going to say is I know the scoreline looks a bit ugly, but I don't think it reflected. Actually, the Dragons' efforts, and Doug Flanagan said that mm. after the game, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be honest, because I'm not going to lie, I thought it would have been like what we saw at Tolman Park. I, I was generally mm. expecting that kind of scoreline. I'm not saying that to be funny, I generally was. But fair play, I thought we showed a lot of spirit, a lot of endeavour. And if we had taken our opportunities, we did have quite a number of opportunities. We were in Leicester's 22 quite a lot, but we're just not clinical enough. Mm-hmm. Though we botched so many lineouts, and you know, it's the unforced errors, and you know, we did make Leinster uncomfortable for a little while. I mean, I thought in the first 20 minutes we were pretty good, um, but of course, Leinster being Leinster, you know, they're going to come back hard at you, don't know, you know, they're just going to pile on the pressure. Um, it, it was a decent showing, you know, and 
it wasn't as bad as I thought. But what 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 did uh, upset me? I gotta say there was two incidents that did upset me. So obviously Jack Dixon going off injured, yeah, and especially after his words in the week, you know he's quite yeah. emotional. He's quite passionate, worried about his future. He's got a kid on the way. He doesn't know what's happening with his contract. You know, like a lot of players in Wales, you know, it's all up in the air, and he was quite emotional about it. And seeing him hobbling off at half time was gutting mm. because his worst fears came true. And I felt so, so bad for the bloke. And then you had Steph Hughes then, after the game, you know, speaking to S4C, it's gone viral now, that interview. He spoke so well. I love Steph Hughes, brilliant player, really smart guy. Just encapsulated the feeling amongst players in Welsh rugby, you know, mm. the anxiety they're going through. And it was tough. It was really tough to see that. Um, but as you know, for the performance, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I thought we were competitive. For most of that game, I was listening to the Harpen on Rugby podcast earlier, and they were very complimentary of the Dragons. They said they actually we showed more fight than Cardiff, which uh, I did laugh at. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said we played ourselves better than Cardiff. So that's how they rate out. their wins. <laughs> they go, <Yes>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> then they show three or four percent of fight. The opposition yeah. that we trounced every week. Yeah. They've got to talk about something, I suppose, on the Lens to Fans podcast. <laughs> Other than how, like, Jamie Osborne yeah. is better than Marnoni or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're looking, if you're watching Leinster a lot and you're, you're trying to analyse that kind of mm. game, does it get a bit boring? Does, does, <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? If you're <laughs> through this scoring, isn't it better to analyse someone like the Dragons? With with there's a there's a little bit of hope when you can go, you yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To pick out from there. There'd be loads of like stuff to pick out on the dragons. This is what they should be doing. This is what they are doing. <laughs> you know. I'm like I love watching teams like the dragons. Like what well, the how the dragons have been this season. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough sort of better thing. about the world. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel myself, you know. Uh, no, but like teams like the dragons have been under Flanagan. Um, and like the Ospreys have been in Toby Booth as well, who are just really spirited and really hardworking. Um, yeah. And that's how, you know, the classic Gatland Wales teams were. And they're maybe not the most talented or the most kind of cutting edge tactically teams, but they are so bloody minded that you can't stop them. You can't kind of break them down. They never give up. And those are kind of often my favorite teams to to watch back and to celebrate, I think. Whereas a Leinster team who are just like flawlessly excellent and like the kind of, yeah, like, well, what's the point? You know, it's kind of like, oh, well done. Yeah. Well done. You've brought in Tector. <laughs> Who's Tector? I've never heard of him. Oh, he scored. Well done. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> it's like, I've, yeah, okay, I've been there before. You know, like, I feel like I've watched yeah. it's like, is this Mention live? Dave Flanagan, Dave, right, <laughs> um, Dave Flanagan has got to be the most positive bloke in Welsh rugby, right? Because, uh, honestly, um, he did a... a post-match press conference before the Leinster came and he was saying, yeah, you know, Leinster fake a team, they, they're going to compete they're on the roll, but uh, they got to lose sometime. Why can't it be against us? I'm like, fuck it, I'll die. <laughs> I mean, there's positivity, but we're the trackers. Like, come on. I mean, that's just blind faith, isn't it? I mean, that's just crazy talk. But uh, even after the game, right, because we were well beaten. And he is right to point out, you know, how well the players, you know, soldiered mm. on and the, the spirit they showed. But he was so happy. He was like, yeah, really happy. You know, he's just bouncing <laughs> along and smiling. And even when he's saying, like, you know, serious stuff, like, he's just got a smile on his face. I've never known someone to be so positive about everything. And you contrast that to Dean Ryan, who was about pretty much every fucking thing in our show. <laughs> it's like, it's a complete contrast. Or to, or to Die Flanagan's son. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I enjoyed He's him on there. the other week when he came out and he said, like, oh, the dragon's going to win again next week. Ross Harry's asked him very slickly yeah. and he went, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, oh, come on, you got to support your dad. He just went, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's an East Walian response. To rugby. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a full-on Dragons fan. Now, that's the positivity. When you follow the Dragons, that's the positive. It's just, <laughs> maybe we'll win. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, good old day. Maybe it'll end by 29 points. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back to, to analysing teams that aren't doing well and stuff, right? So... When you've got someone like, I don't know, let's, uh, Ross Moriarty, uh, you mm. know, uh, somebody that's on the pitch that you know is going to give you something, you know, he's he's going to lose his head at some time and he's going to, but he's going to create a lot of stuff and he, a lot of stuff revolves around Ross, uh, Ross Moriarty. So how much time do you, you spend with a, with a little magnifying glass and going forward and back and going, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to, do, do you know what I mean? Have yeah, you got like yeah. players that you look for? Yeah, it depends. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you get a sense watching something live that someone's involved there or you want to go back and look again. Um, and it's um, it's like when you, I found when I looked at the Ireland-France game last week, um, a lot of that time you can kind of work out what Ireland are doing based on where Guile Ficko is because he's so important to them defensively, you can kind of then get a sense for what everyone else is doing based on who's kind of taking him out, who's marking him, who's kind of pulling and tugging him, and if he's involved in anything else. Um, and yeah, and often you do find, like tens in particular, I find you can often work out what's going on uh, based on there. Like I did a big video on George Ford, just because I think he is the best at it, of kind of calling things around him and spotting what's on the fly. Um and very anxious to see him out of the England squad out of nowhere. Now the yes. moment he's fit. <laughs> First um, place I thought of for when they saw his name called yeah. him. He must be delighted, Squidge. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's it, it, he's exceptional. It's the thing I really like about Will Reed at the Dragons, to, to bring it back to the Dragons, is I think he's got a okay. similar kind of temperament and similar kind of... He clearly sees the game very slowly. Like he's got... Um, he can clearly see things ahead of it ahead of them happening and i really yeah. like that i really like him he's like if i were a, I am not a coach i would not be a very good coach but if i were one if i were you know in the national setup i'd be bringing him in right away and just want to have a look at him and see how he kind of adapts to that standard because i think he's a kind a kind of 10 wales doesn't have another of at the minute in terms yeah. of that 10 who anticipates and reads the game ahead of time um because it's a player like that where you can kind of spot them like paolo garbisi is frittly and so on and I think once you get a sense for what a player's like, you can then kind of get an idea from going back and watching and knowing what to look for a bit. Absolutely. I'd, yeah. I'd love it if you were my coach, because what, what are we doing to, for tonight's session? Oh, it's fitness. What are we doing? We're, we're watching a three-hour video on how to run around the pitch really fast. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's, I could live with that. That was my kind of fitness session. <laughs> The, the level of detail that you go into for when, when you do the analysis and stuff like that. I read in uh, one of the articles I was reading uh, on you about uh, the uh, World Cup final, mm. and you and you were um, and there was a close up of uh, Stefan de Toy, uh, and, and he said, "I just knew that close up was the 63rd." Yeah, and, and I kind of, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the match it's, just bring that back just like that. Too. Slightly fading now, but I got to know that final so well. I watched it so many times the week of, you know, to do the video and everything. And then I did two more videos on the spring box after that on you know how good they are and so on and so i came to know it very very well and and also i was just dropping clips in other videos because it's a really good kind of example to use if you're wanting generic examples or something to go to the last world cup final and it became the game i do best so i'd go like okay i know in the 23rd minute you know uh this isn't a real example but so and so makes a carry or a tackle or i know it's about there i know you know like if i want an example of someone regathering their own kick i know hondre pollard does one in the eighth minute so that'd be fine and you kind of it all starts to click like that um so like the women's world cup final from last year as well is now becoming similar and i now kind of know that not quite the same degree but yeah it's it's one of the weird parts of the job is you come to know lots of odd little bits of you know where to look for close-ups and you know, I'll often make a note if a game has lots of shots to the coach because sometimes they do, like French coverage has far fewer shots to the coaches. So it becomes a nightmare if I'm talking about them a lot. You kind of can't pull the footage of them from that week's games. Um, this is getting very inside baseball or inside rugby. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> dragon's great. Let's let's uh, let's talk about a positive game then. Let's let's talk about somebody who knows how to play the game or knows how to score tries. Do you do you want to go first or shall I? Yeah, <laughs> you can go first. You can go first. Only two minutes, so yeah, boys. Two minutes. Yeah, each. <laughs> yeah keep it brief, boys. For time constraints. Yeah. yeah. Go on, Reese. You you go first. We'll we'll save the best to last, mate. Go on. I just I was I was very proud of the boys. I think with everything happening, um, I thought was, uh, we played the game. Uh, I'm going to sound like just like every uh, <laughs> bit of rugby coverage ever, isn't it? We played the game in the right areas, but we did. I thought when uh, uh, Jared Evans had to, to go and Ben Thomas moved across, I think he's a classy player. Um, I, I, um, I thought Owen um, Lane, uh, he's, he's, he can be quite dodgy, like defensively, but it's, it's undeniably he's attacking threats. Like, and uh, was it um, we scored? Then they scored, and the, the, there's that thought at the back of my head going, oh, is it going to be like last season? But um, no, and, and I thought we, we scored uh, some really good tries in the backs. We, um, Ratty going over uh, showed um, some forward dominance. I thought um, our hip was absolutely making a mess of him um, before he got a tweak. Um, my brother from another mother, yeah. My, my brother from another <laughs> <laughs> Well, when we were carrying, uh, Robbie went to see uh, the Cardiff um, uh, Ospreys game at the mm. Arsenal sort of thing. We bumped into him, sort of had the photo, and I just do look like his older, more unfit brother. Like, really, <laughs> 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 Unhealthy uh, food. Yeah. <laughs> we, we sent us all a photo on our WhatsApp group, and he went, "Is me and my brother?" And we all kind of went, "Yeah." Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, what was that? It kind of looks familiar, but it, it took a good mm. couple of hours to, to sink in, though, actually. But uh, Rich, you talk about um, uh, Owen's uh, defensive frailty. He got back, uh, Owen Lane, and he made an absolute cracking uh, try saving uh, moment there. Yeah. You know, yeah no, getting back. I don't know. I don't know. And I couldn't, you couldn't even yeah. see where he came from on the pitch. Because the camera just wasn't there, he was just shifting from one side of the pitch to, you know, to the oh, try. Well, he'd been out for quite a while, and uh, when he first came back, I thought he'd lost um, maybe half a yard, a yard of pace, sort of thing. But uh, incrementally, that seems to be coming back. Like uh, it's, mm. uh, he's getting his sharpness back there. Yeah. For sure. 
And it was a good win. Good win for the for Cardiff, oh, you know. Mate, I, I was I was thinking it because you can't there's no bankers in the league anymore, especially with mm. the performances we're putting in. And especially with the but I guess Cardiff haven't lost like some of the key players like the other other regions have. Um, you know, we still got like Jared Evans and um uh, you still call on uh, sort of Ben Thomas and Owen Lane and um, Good to see Max Llewellyn back. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We yeah. haven't got him too much longer, but uh, yeah, <laughs> made the most of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's on his way over the bridge, isn't he? Um, but yeah, yeah so uh, absolutely happy with that. I put it up on Twitter, like, oh, proud of the with everything that's happening that they put in a performance that they did. Mm. It's one cool. of those games that is just really easy to lose. It's really yeah. easy to slip up there and yeah. lose that. And yeah, yes. it's it's an effort. It's the kind of thing that requires a a team to be steady and composed more than it does to be talented. And that's almost a more encouraging thing than if they'd, you know, if this fixture had taken place in December or something and they'd absolutely smashed them. I think it's more encouraging kind of the, what it means for the Blues. Yes. Or for, for, for Cardiff. He's done it. He's called them the um, Blues. Oh, Blues. <laughs> there we That's go. fine. <laughs> Call them Blues. It's absolutely fine. What no, it means you, for you the... You can't. Robbie can't. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it means for the Not Valleys, um, I think you can really see from... From the fact that it was this kind of like rear guard, like even though they got and they got the bonus point in the end, you know, they got everything they could have wanted from the game. Um, yeah, whilst being in as uncomfortable a position as they will be all season. Yes, no, absolutely. And and as you say, like we could have easily lost that game and we have lost those fixtures before. Mm-hmm. And even um Benetton came back, so we scored first and then they scored and then we scored. And do you mean that that could have been um a very different sort of game, but yeah, the composure built by what is not a first, uh, well, uh, like maybe other side is, yeah, I, yeah, more, more than proud. Yeah. What about the eye gouging on Aserati? Did you see that? No, no, that was bad. Oh, it was bad. You, you must have seen a fair few red cards in your time. Uh, how? How does that rate on the level of red cards? On, on the level of stupidity, right in front of the ref, going right for his eye. I mean, you've got to be shocking. pretty stupid, you know. To, Absolutely shocking of us, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, but, I mean, what's the stupidest red card that you've seen apart from trying to poke somebody in the eye in front of the oh. in front of the ref? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I mean, there's a... So I watched the entire 1987 Rugby World Cup what, back last year because... <laughs> Of course I did. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the, the Romanian team had these this pair of brothers called the Constantines who were ridiculous because they were very, very tall and even more violent. And um, at one point, uh, Stefan Constantine, who was also, I think he was the co-captain, the kind of vice-captain. He captained them for one of the, like, three games, I think. Um he I, he punched someone in the face right in front of the referee. The referee called him over and went, don't do that again. <laughs> so <laughs> the, <laughs> the next mall, the next mall, he's watching the referee. He sees they're not looking, punches someone else in the face. The touch just steps in and is like, he just did it again. He just punched someone in the face. <laughs> so the referee calls him over and is like, okay, okay, okay. Last warning. This time I Last will send you off. <laughs> and Constantine then pops up two minutes later 
and he, he sort of elbows someone, which I think technically isn't the same thing. The ball comes loose. He sprints it in from 40 meters, scores the winning try. And the referee kind of looks at him and the judge is like, well, he did elbow someone, but then he scored. So it's fine. And he got away with it. And it doesn't answer your question. But in my head, he got sent off and then scored the winning try, but he didn't. Um, I don't have an answer for your question. I just wanted to talk about the Romanian law from the 1980s. That was a different time, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it really was. Like, like, it? But do you remember that um, that prop uh, against England who absolutely lamped Wade Dooley? He literally yes. came on to a line-out. And I remember the commentator saying, so oh, 19-year-old prop coming in, wants to make a big impact. Uh, this is a From guy Argentina. to watch. Argentina. just completely <laughs> floors Dwayne. Du- and he's standing there going like, well, I, I don't... And it was clear as day. Just lamped him, took him clean off his feet. And I think he, he was only on the pitch for like about three or four minutes and he got red-carded and stuff. It was... Um, it was an absolute classic punch. Not that I condone violence, but it was really good that, to watch. That's it. Like, if you're going to get yourself sent off doing something stupid, at least exactly. punch someone, you know? <laughs> Knock them yeah. out the old-fashioned way. Like, none of this flying in and doing stupid clear-outs. Like, that is stupid. Those are the worst ones. The ones where someone actually just punches someone. That's to be celebrated. We need more of that. We need to bring that back. Quick <laughs> <laughs> <Cook> it here. <laughs> Do you remember Arrow Thomas in the French game, like knocking the, <laughs> knocking the boy? <laughs> Paul James on was it Perry Freshwater. You yeah. know, just like the referee turned his back while the scrum was resetting and he punched him in the face. Like, <laughs> that's what I want my props to be doing. Yeah, you know, I want a prop more... who's unafraid to punch someone. And they need more <laughs> yeah. proper rucking where they just like get raked out of the way. If they're on the yeah. wrong side, absolutely rake them out of the way. You know, the old fashioned way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, I'm not so going to be... come. I'm not going to pretend this is going to solve the game's problems because it won't. But it'll be fun to watch. <laughs> it'll be fun to watch. But somebody shared a video today of um, Danny Grucock. Um, it was when Dwayne Peel was playing for for Wales, and we mm. were attacking on their line. And Danny Grucock literally steps over the top of a ruck. <laughs> He's like about eight foot four, and this leg just comes over and catches Dwayne Peel straight in the face. <laughs> But the best bit is is Gareth Thomas. Yeah, Gareth Thomas comes in and goes like that, and the ref goes a yellow card. (laughs) (laughs) He just nearly blinded him with his stud ref and you're yellow carding him. But yeah, but which is a nice link into Scarlet. I was I thought we were absolutely superb. Um it was well, you know, Edinburgh went at their best leave of the day, let's be honest. Like, yeah. you know, Edinburgh went moments. Moments. <laughs> After yeah. all right. going through that first half of the season and then we get to that bit where just everything is, you know, clicking and everything. Even, like, um, Johnny McNichols chip over the top. I can guarantee you, start of the season, that ball mm. would have bounced the wrong way. You know, and the whole thing would have gone to shit, and somebody would have picked it up, and a prop would have had a drop goal from the forty yard line. And now it just bounces up, and it's it's just so it's lovely to watch. And just I think that was a great that was a great yeah, review. Yeah, uh, boys, you. I'm done. I'm on Let's talk about England. Let's talk about England now. Yeah, I, uh, that was a good performance. Yeah, no fair play. Yeah. 
No, it's a good win. They scored some lovely tries to Scarlet. So yeah, you got to give credit. And you know, would... a lot of people are talking about Dwayne Peel, how he's turned it around to that. Mm. I actually think Lee Blackett deserves a lot of credit because it's no mm. coincidence that since he came in for Wasps, they've been playing much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at the grief. A lot. Look at the grief Peel was getting at the start of the season because they weren't yeah. winning. You know, mm. it was like uh, Ring of Roses, one in, one out. Good luck. But um, yeah. yeah, no fair play. This is the yeah. That was the thing I was starting to wonder: is did I greatly underrate Dwayne Peel? Because I didn't really see much in him as an attack coach when he was at Ulster, and then mm. I didn't quite get the big tug of war over him with uh, the not the the non-color related team and the color related team. <laughs> um, I didn't really get why they were both so eager for him. And then it kind of felt like it's often a big mistake, someone that is that level of legend and hero as a player going back as a coach, because you can kind of own, like, unless you go on and take them to even greater heights, you can kind of only ruin your own reputation. Uh, Like Gregor Townsend going back to Glasgow worked, but basically every other example has basically, you know, you look at how far Ronan Lugar is running away from that monster job because he knows it can only go badly. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of felt like that was what was happening. And I didn't see anything in that first half of the season. Where I was like, oh, this is close. In the way you look at the Ospreys in that first half of the season, you were like, oh, they're, they're one big win and a bit of confidence away from this clicking. And the Dragons, you kind of looked at in that first half of the season and went, actually, there's something there that they can build on. And Cardiff, you looked at and went, they're winning, but this is going to fall apart at some point. Um, because it always does. <laughs> you know, I'm not... <laughs> um but the scars i was kind of looking at going like i don't i don't quite see how this is going to turn around with peel and then as you say i think black it's been a big factor um clearly he's clearly changed something and has added something but i don't think him going at the end of the season will necessarily break that I think there's maybe been learnings made from having a more experienced coaching um, yeah. with what is ultimately quite a a young coaching group. Um, I think they've clearly learned quite a lot in this half of the season and will be far better, you know, not just the rest of the season, this season, but next year as well when Black is gone. Um, presuming he doesn't stick around, you know, if the rumours of him going to Bristol and stuff are true. All back to Wasps, now they're in Worcester. Um yeah. So yeah, but I think yeah, really great win for the Scarlets, and they are a very, very different prospect now to even just you know a month and a half ago. And how difficult is it as an Osprey supporter to praise the Scarlets? <laughs> <laughs> are you Can asking I, now? Are you asking? <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. There are weeks where in the start of the season, like the the Leicester game and the Montpellier mm. game. With oh, bathrobes, bathrobes, best tonight, boys. Do you yeah. know what I mean? How, how difficult this, is it? This is the thing I've had though. Is I grew up as an Ospreys fan in in the East Midlands during the period where the Ospreys played Leicester all the time, and they seemed mm. to play in the final the Anglo Welsh every year. They seemed to draw each other in Europe every other year, uh, and it was just constant. And I think for a long time. Because when I was a kid, that was the kind of big, that was a, you know, a big rivalry and the Scarlets were not so great and the Ospreys routinely beat them. And it was for a long time, that kind of felt like the big rivalry to me in my head, even though they weren't in the same league. And because that was where I was from, it was kind of the team where there was bragging rights because I knew Leicester (laughs) Tigers fans, but I didn't know Scarlets fans. Um, And then it started, then once I kind of, 
um it was only with time and with Wayne Peebach <laughs> that started to change um and so I find yeah I don't find it as difficult as I should but they've become like I always say with the Six Nations like I find England the team I want to beat most but Ireland the team I hate losing to most <laughs> and it's maybe like I it's hate true. losing to the Scarlets but I beating them is not as satisfying as maybe it should be <laughs> which is probably an awful <laughs> thing to say given how you know last season uh no it is enormous yeah I'm talking myself in circles I'm, <laughs> I'm very sure Colin you're very good answer <laughs> <laughs> It's weird because, like, Carwin was was tweeting stuff earlier, and I I was uh, about not having fourteen players back, this, that, and mm. the other. And there's a little bit of me going, you know, I've got a little bit of sympathy for you here, and and you know, we should be sticking up for a mate. And then there's this other bit of me going, like, fuck it, I'm it's, the Ospreys are getting tanked. I'm I'm making the most of this because you know <laughs> you don't know when this is going to end. Make oh. the most of it while it's happening, like you know. Yeah, well, like, I... you know, we we do have you know. The main European competition to look forward to now. You know? <laughs> there you go. Um, and then Carwin opens his mouth again, and it's like back in the big boy league. You know, <laughs> when I was Saracens. When I was on the you way better. back from Leicester, I was at Leicester training station after. I don't know if you remember, uh, Colin. You might remember this. We also beat Leicester a few weeks ago in uh, Walker yeah, Road. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. When was the last time? When was the last time the any of the other three beat them? I can't remember. That Walford Road, yeah. Two seasons ago in a pre-season, but I'm not, you know, you boys carry on. Are we putting this pod out, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Just to remind you, Dragons did beat Osprey earlier this season. Thank you very much. I don't remember that. Um, Yeah, yeah. memory blank now, isn't it? Yeah, Jack Walsh has forgotten it as well. Um, And uh, yeah, I was at the train station and I was sat behind a group of Leicester fans and one of them was saying um, they only need the losing bonus point to go through so I think it's really disrespectful that they went for the try and didn't just kick it off Um, and I could have listened to that guy talk all night (laughs) (laughs) like the the sheer salty tears pouring out of his mouth (laughs) not even out of his eyes, tears out of his mouth (laughs) it was delicious I could have listened to that all day so I can't get do, do you get recognised, Squidge, when you go like, out and about in the different rugby grounds and that? Uh, do you get many people come yeah. and say, oh, you're Squidge Rugby? It, it happens in rugby settings, but very rarely outside of it. So, oh, like, okay. you know, it, it happened when I was just, you know, walking down the street a couple of weeks ago. But other than that, it's pretty much, you know, like it happened a reasonable amount, a reasonable amount at the Leicester game, which is the last game I went to, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if I am... Um, in a you know if i go to a game or i'm in somewhere that's generally a, a rugby environment um so it happened a lot more when i was in you know swansea than when i'm in nottingham um <laughs> the so yeah but it's a uh, it depends but it, it happens it's weird i still that's, haven't that's, quite the adoration. <laughs> that's the adoration jamie's after yeah. <laughs> it'll James. come it'll come yeah. i can't mention in rugby pass i'm happy that's all i'm saying <laughs> that'll think, do me i think you'll find that was james phillips James. Yes. Welsh rugby tweeter James Phillips. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) If we all get shirts from this podcast, you'll have a James Phillips. Yeah. (laughs) Sponsored by Tiny Rebel. Sponsored by Tiny Rebel. Yeah. 
when I when I told my so my my boy's a, a player. He's eighteen mm. eighteen years old, <laughs> and uh, he he basically repeats your videos back to me oh. on a on a weekly basis. <laughs> and uh, I say to him, "What do you think of the game?" Well, I think you'll find if you look at this bit here, and and then I'll watch your <laughs> video. And it's like word for word. <laughs> and, I, and I told him that you were on tonight and he'd already booked to go and play badminton with a mate. And he's all like, no, dad, no, no, you give him a different time. I'll, I'll just sit in the background. I just, <laughs> I'll just be there. <laughs> like, no, fella, you go play your badminton. You'll be fine. But yeah. Oh, thank him for me. That's lovely. That's, that's really lovely. It's nice. And good luck with his badminton. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm invested. I can analyze that. I can turn on a video on that again. There's not no, much else going on in rugby. He, he, he will send you one. You say stuff like that. He will send you a video. <laughs> so let's let's move on to the serious stuff then. And like, if you were making a video of Welsh rugby right now, mm. off-field Welsh rugby, and you you were taking and you know analyzing the bits here, there, and everywhere. What would that video look like? <laughs> right. So um, right next to me, I have just down here uh, a bin. Um, I would take this bin. I would take a match and I would set fire to this bin and upload footage of that. <laughs> I think that's easier than trying to explain yeah. what's going on. <laughs> in the <laughs> I I think it's an unbelievable just shambles. Everything is. I think it's probably important that it's happening. Uh, it's a shame it's happened during the Six Nations and it's happening when it is. But it's important probably that we have this happen and we have this come out so we can come out the other side of it. This has probably been overdue for some time. Um, but it is a state and it is horrible and it is almost getting to a point now where one scandal is undermining the last. You're kind of forgetting about, you know, like we all forgot. We barely mentioned, you know, Nigel Owens's homophobia stuff. Like that got brushed under the carpet because it was in between like three other scandals. It's just constant. Um, but yeah, this has been overdue for some time. Um, and it's quite difficult to talk about this Welsh team in the Six Nations now of the context that is building and that is changing constantly, which is why I keep, I've scrapped my script on the Scotland game so many times because it just, the circumstances keep changing around it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a horrible but necessary time in Welsh rugby, I think. Mm. Like, change, isn't it? Like in the, uh, what we were saying about earlier when we were uh, in when we we're talking about Dixon going off and things like mm. that, you know, he's just one example, isn't it, of um, um, a, a workforce under so much pressure that you very rarely see these days, like in any other industry, going through what they're going through, isn't it? Like the mm. the, the state of um and the the the, the, the sort of uh, the mental health after this will be felt for years to come by this uh, current crop of players, I think, isn't it? You know. From the youngsters, yeah. the more, more of the old heads, I'll be honest, just, it's just... Well, look at Halaholo. Halaholo's been on Twitter saying that, talking Wasn't about it? mental health and, you know, yeah. worrying about his kids and the mortgage. I mean, we've had Sam Cross as well from mm. the Ospreys. We've had Bradley Davis. I mean, this this is what was most affecting, actually. We're talking about the internationals, but it's that middle bracket of players, those regional players. They're the ones who are in most danger, those sort of middle earners. You know, and um, it's just so worrying. It really is. But 
Oh, it's just, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, we did a one-off bonus pod, mm-hmm. didn't we, with um, Hugh Jones. Hugh Jones is brilliant. But if, if, if anyone has to listen to that, go back and listen to it. And yes, it's just, oh, it was hard to know where to start. And Hugh did so well in explaining it. Um, it just needs to be a complete reset from top to bottom. Welsh rugby from root to branch, there needs to be absolute reform. Because um, it's just one thing after the other, you know, it really is. It's just, what can you do? You said, Rob, like, you know, it's a, like you know, with, with everything that's happening at such a pace, it's hard to get excited. The actual rugby, isn't it? It's yeah. Kind of what have you? And, you know, we, we talk about the, the England game, but, but it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we all want the match to go ahead, but I, you know, I, I fully support the players if they did go on a strike. Absolutely. I think every, everyone would. Full on. You know, Full on. But yeah. uh, something's got to make the big wigs sit up and take notice because I don't think it's been taken seriously. I really yeah. don't. And like you said, Reese, it's about players' mental health, their families yeah. as well. Um, yeah. That's the most important thing to a player. It's not the rugby, it's the family. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. Ah, yeah. I, ho- I hope things work out for the best now. And I hope things are all announced on Wednesday uh, and we get on with the game. Things are sorted. And we start moving forward in the right direction, but uh, and hammer England. I don't know, and hammer but England. You, the thing is, is you think like you've you've got as as deep as you can go and as ridiculous as you can go, and then you wake up Sunday morning, and then Jamie's just sent you a picture of an article saying that Ealing Trailfinders are in negotiations with the Ospreys to merge, and oh. it's just like. But do you know what I mean? How how ridiculous are we going to get? Rumours, 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 isn't it? And that's what's annoying me. We're not getting any facts or details. All we're getting is speculation of rumours. And that does nothing to quell the fears from players and supporters or anyone else, is it? You know? I mean, this Elin <laughs> Osprey thing, it's bonkers, Squidge, isn't it? I mean, it's absolute it's bonkers. Ridiculous. What did you think of it? Yeah, how it's ridiculous. I, I think it depends on how they handle it there's a world in which if the options are the osprey cease to exist and they take it away and they go down to three regions or they become the trail finder ospreys and they play some of their games in london some of them in you know in and around the the, the region itself around swansea um because like the thought of them moving say the scarlet's game or the the other welsh derbies to play in london is absurd <laughs> Like this team who have an investment and an identity within the region, um, then moving to London is silly. Um, but at the same, like, but if that is the option, then you've kind of got to go right. Okay, well, it's better than losing it. Um, yeah, but, but why is it always? And it's the that's it. Spoken about. Yeah, that's you know, the other why- thing is that kind of existential fear that hangs over everything. And being at Welford Road, I. I recognise as it was by uh, you know another group of Ospreys fans, and we then did like a victory lap around the stadium and chanting and singing all of that, and it was wonderful and it was great. But one of them pointed up to the stadium and said like this, like up to the Wofford Road, and went like this matters because every time the union's in trouble, it's our necks on the block, it's us who are going to be cut, and we've just won in Wofford Road, we won in Montpellier a few weeks ago, they can't cut us now. You know, and like that was the stakes. That was what what was on the line there. And yet you get a month down the line, you get the Ospreys haven't lost a game since then or hadn't lost a game since then until it, you know, the rumors started coming out. And yet 
who is it that's you know first to be lined up to be moved to Ealing to play yeah. in their stadium in front of free fish and a schoolboy? It's the Ospreys, inevitably. It always is, um, as you as you're saying. And as we always say, we are the most successful region, you know, mm. in the in the in the pro 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 years. And um, why well, can't sorry, they when, talk about Cardiff? Why can't they talk about? When did you last the, the win? Yeah, but when did you last win the the championship, Carl? Um, it was a few so. years back, but. You know, that's when we mm-hmm. you know, we we were the trail blazers for Welsh rugby at that time, and now we we'll be the trail finders. Yes. <laughs> hey, excellent. Hey, hey no, you, we, this is not a laughing matter. It's not. Laughing. We've been working on <laughs> that, that one for a week. <laughs> that was good. going so well. <laughs> why, why is it always the Osprey? You look at you look at the size of Newport. Yeah. You look at the size of Cardiff. You look at the size of Swansea. They're all big places. They've got big. You know, they've got lots of people there that can come and watch a game. And then you look at Schleswig, which is tiny in comparison, but Schleswig seems to, you know, we suck more people into each game than the Ospreys do. And like you say, you know, credit where credit's due, Ospreys have been successful, but people aren't coming to that stadium to watch the game. And I don't understand why. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't get why they're not going to watch the Ospreys in Swansea. Because, you know, Neath Swansea Ospreys, as it started, you know, Neath is, is literally a 10-minute hop up the road. Why are people not coming to watch the Ospreys at the Liberty? You can say that about all the teams, though, Lee. All our teams serve. I mean, Cardiff have had decent attendances, but we're all struggling to get crowds in and regular mm. good attendances. It's not solely exclusive to the Ospreys, is it? It's no, a Welsh rugby problem. The size yeah. of the stadium doesn't make it look great either. So, you no, know, when, I went down, when I went down to watch them play Leinster uh, on New Year's, the atmosphere was fantastic. And there was a decent crowd on both sides of the stadium, but it wasn't a huge crowd, but it was still great fun. You know, um, yes, it would have been great if there'd been another 4,000 people there, 5,000, whatever. But like I said, and at the times we're living in as well, people can't afford it. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. And you then throw in the fact the stadium is so far outside of town. Um, yeah. And like I was in, I was staying in town before the Leicester game, the other, the other Leicester game, um, before Christmas. And yeah, it's a, I hadn't done the walk from Swansea City Centre to there before, and it's a 45-minute walk in so you lose yeah. any walk-up crowd you know there's no kind of momentum and no one going you know you've got a huge stadium there will be spare tickets and spare seats and yet you haven't got people going oh we'll just join the crowds there because people drive over people to get the bus etc like it's a it's a trip over rather than just it's not like the arms park where you can kind of stumble across or even like rodney parade where it's you know not far away um yeah i think it's a we tried the stadium as well, like uh, with the uh, mm. City Stadium sort of thing, and that didn't work. That worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> oh it was it was awful. <laughs> I think that's part of it as well. Where people who maybe uh, do make that effort to go out there uh, have a twenty-seven thousand seat stadium with five thousand people in it, mm. and like you know, and there's no atmosphere and you know and stuff like that. And I think that like make people go out. Yeah, well, what like, I would what... say though, sorry, what I would say to yeah. in the CCS though. When Cardiff won the Challenge Cup and they were successful, they were getting crowds made of about 15,000. And I think mm-hmm. this is part of the problem. People like success is the biggest driver of crowds. People want to come and see a winning product on the field. And when our teams are struggling, no. it's very difficult. 
how to attract yeah, a exactly. casual fan. The hardcore will always be there, but if you want to attract the casual fan and the walk-up crowd, it is very difficult when you're struggling on the field. Like, well, I stand end, as well. Like, well, I stand as well. Like you can just see people's hair getting a lot grey, and you think like we've got to bring some more kids in by here. Like, <laughs> well, I'm a dragons fan, and I'm bald, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is what <laughs> to I have full head of hair before I go season tickets. But you see, you say it's about it's about the proof of the crowds. You know, it's like Edinburgh playing up in Murrayfield, hmm. and there's like what I don't know. 40 people watching them, yeah, maybe a bit more. But like the, now they've moved to a proper a decent stadium just outside, they're getting a full house every week, mm. you know, yeah. and, they, and they're generating the atmosphere. and The team are playing better, they're reacting to it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they play good rugby as well, they're a good yeah, team well. under my play, so people want to see that, and they're a good team, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough, it's really something tough. I, something I did want to get your, your thoughts on, Rob, is mm. like Sam Warburton said about Northeast Southwest. Uh, the, the the so-called compass point teams and you know someone live for me I, I live far west i live literally just before you fall into the sea if you catch the ferry then you'll be okay but up until <laughs> then you know that's how far west i am that's where we keep him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are several court orders in place to make sure <laughs> so but do you know what i mean there's mm. there's a lot of people in north wales that probably would really like to and i know the heartland is the south is the m4 corridor but there's only so much of that that we can do you know half half the scarlet's players live in cardiff anyway do you know what i mean half the half the osprey's players live on the outskirts of cardiff hmm. so it's, it's not a it's not a problem to from a, a logistics point of view of, of merging sides in south wales but do you then put a North Wales side in? How, what's your thoughts on it? Does that work or does it not? It would have made sense 20 years ago when they drew up the regions. Um, I think we're now so far into this that I am part of a generation who don't remember, you know, kind of the first generation who don't remember the clubs. You know, like I was never a Swansea or a Neef or an Aberavon fan. Like I was an Ospreys fan. That was the kind of team I was introduced to when I first got into rugby beyond it being something that was on sometimes in the house, you know, when I got properly invested and into it, it was the Ospreys already. Um, And the problem is you're saying like the crowds are statistically getting older and there isn't as many coming in, but those you would then have lost 20 years of people that have become instantly disenfranchised again, having already had the people that were lost um, from the first switch. And we can't keep doing that every 20 years. Um, if it were that they moved one of the regions, they moved and they went, the Dragons of the Ospreys are now based in North Wales. Maybe that works better, but you then still lose a huge portion of the crowds. Um, and there is an appetite in North Wales. You look how well the under-20s does every year. Um, but at the same time, someone posted a map on Twitter of where all the rugby clubs in Wales are. And so much of it is, as you say, along that corridor. Um, it's an idea that makes sense, but that's never how Welsh rugby has been governed in the past. And it's almost like, well, why are we starting with common sense now? Um, <laughs> like it's, it's, the, it's what would have been the right decision 20 years ago, Wales didn't make it then. And it becomes a case of, do we try and do the right thing now and admit we wasted 20 years in which time everyone else got ahead of us and we kind of ruined... Um, yeah, potentially ruin, you know, and like you look at you're moving the 
this Ospreys team at the minute have the strongest academy by some distance of any of the regions. And if you move them up north, are you losing and disenfranchising that young crop of players who are being best managed of any of the regions? Um, you know, and that it all become there's a, so many factors at work beyond just the crowds and beyond just the fans. Uh, you know, f- again, forcing the players to move to London or Wrexham or whatever. It's less of a problem if they. You know, I'm walking in circles again, but. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a complicated issue that Welsh rugby has put itself in, um, rather than one that's naturally occurred. Mm. But then, yeah. so much of Welsh rugby at the minute is is like that. It's, we <laughs> yeah. we we've we've dug a hole, and when it got just enough deep enough for us to get out, we jumped in the hole and then digged another four foot, and and we just don't. For me, as someone, you know, I was playing when the game went professional mm. and when there were all the strikes at the time and, you know, the game was awash with money and stupid people were getting stupid money and stuff like that. And we've been, this is the, the frustrating bit for me, is we've been here before. We've mm. we've been at the brink so many times and you just get frustrated that nobody's really put a foot on the pedal and gone right let's stop and let's actually think about what we do now going forward because what we're doing now it just isn't working boys you know it just did you work. um did you see Wayne Pivak's comments on the weekend so Wayne Pivak mm-hmm. was a pundit and fireplay for the Scarlets game and he was talking about the Osprey Scarlets bridge and he said he thought it was going to be a great thing for us being a plan apparently then was to bring North Wales in and mm-hmm. he said it was very very close and uh, I posted the clip and the amount of Scarlet's fans are playing, saying, fun fuck pitbacks are in charge of rugby. <laughs> you know, it's like, so funny. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we had Warren Gatland on the weekend. I don't know if you saw this. I was reading in The Guardian and he was talking about the 60 cap rule. And he was saying, well, you know, it works for four regions, but, you know, if we go down to three or we go down to two, and this is the coach of the national team openly <laughs> suggesting to go down to two, three, two regions. I was astonished by that. And I think mm. I went into the radio, the fact he was openly saying, well, you know, if we cut a region or two, you know, we could, I, I couldn't believe it. And so much of why Wales have, you know, people talk about Wales having success despite the regions or whatever, but actually the regions have produced a consistent base of players who are playing professional rugby. Yeah. And very often, you know, you saw players like Corey Hill, you know, to mention, but him, Andrew yeah, Coombs, yeah. you saw so many players kind of who played solidly at regional level that then Gatlin saw something and was able to turn into um, proper international players or when Pivac was able to turn into free cap players that he then dropped the moment they played well. Um, and it was just like, it was a consistent theme throughout both areas. It's like we ha- us having a strong base of players to pick from has really helped Welsh rugby, whether or not, the region's being competitive with you know teams outside Wales yeah and I've seen a lot of people saying you know we should follow the Scottish model a lot of pundits saying that and I think well okay on the one hand yes we will have stronger teams if Mm. we went down to two but you know I'm not I love Scotland and I don't want any Scottish listeners to get offended but they've won fuck all for years (laughs) they haven't had any no but I'm not they haven't had any international success with two teams. And it's the same with Bitly. Now, don't get me wrong, they're both improving, and that's great. You know, I hope Scotland can continue their trajectory up with the same with Bitly. But 
we need to stop looking at, oh, let's do what Scotland do, or let's do Ireland do. We need to do what works in Wales. Mm. You know, yes, and that's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just knowing what works in Wales. Let's stop copying people, because what works in Ireland necessarily won't work in Wales. We, we just need to decide and figure out once and for all, where are we going? And it seems nobody has the answer to this question. The other thing is, like, this won't work, fi- this doesn't work financially, but I think a lot of the problems could potentially... So I think Wales has the player pool for four regions, um, or certainly yeah. can do, um, and it has the money for maybe three and a half, which is kind of part of the problem. Um, and they've rounded up to four, and something a lot of people go, well, could we spread out? You know, be more competitive with three. But I wonder something. I wonder, and it's not realistic, is would more fans be interested if there were six Welsh regions? If it had been split up on a more kind of on a wider geographical basis, and you had a North Wales team, you had maybe the you appeased Twitter and had the Valleys team or something else, so that people felt more connected to their teams while still being regional. Um, and you had you know like the Ospreys playing in a smaller, tighter stadium. And if you could change that, would that be the best for the crowd and for engagement and for building like rivalries and kind of competition? But it isn't realistic at all, and um. so. I think like any solution you think of, you're like, well, there's a there's a big problem there. Um, so we've just thrown ourselves into this ridiculous situation where the fact we that we're thinking um, is silly. Yeah, we would have to have a pro region just for Owen Robbins based in Pontypridville. The funny commander. They would sell it out. They would sell it out. No, no, they would get twenty thousand through the gates. No, don't edit it out. They'll get twenty thousand through the gates every week if you take the ten buses on the way trips. Let's do it. Let's make Ponty a a proper region now. But the team should just be Owen Robbins himself. We haven't got the money for it. We're just going to put Owen Robbins out against Leinster and see how he gets on. We need real integrated regions. Sorry mm. if do not like. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's When the Dragons played in Astrid the other week, right around the corner of my grandparents' house, which is so weird. But you <laughs> saw the massive crowds like piling around. Oh. You saw the millions at the gates. It was like, banging it was there. Yeah, it's like bloody... It was like watching Maradona go back to Argentina on his homecoming game. Like, yeah. just people outside, <laughs> floods of people. It was Bonkers. extraordinary. Empty seats of the valleys. Yeah. Uh, so when Robbins would say. The, the thing for me with Ustred Munnach mm. is it's really fucking cold. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Valleys, when you go there, it's, like up there. it's cold. And I've been there in the summer. I went there last summer for mm. oh. June, July game or whatever. I had two jumpers and a coat on. It was bright As sunshine. Where my grandparents have, I spent every summer there. Like it would be start of the summer holidays. We'd be shipped up to Western Munich and we'd stay there for weeks on end. And yeah, it's freezing. I don't think there was ever a hot day in Ostromonic. At the very least, like you'll see the sun's out and you'll be like, oh, brilliant, it's warm. And they'll say, like, it's 38 degrees today, and you head outside and it'll be windy as hell. And you'll be like, oh, you can't actually feel it though. You can't feel the warmth. The the guys that run the cafe uh, in Astrid Munnach, the guys at the at the very end and they sell the warm soup and the warm coffee, they don't sell cold drinks. They, they, they haven't got a fridge. They do. They do. The tea is cold. <laughs> Give it ninety well seconds. <laughs> All right. So let's um let's move on to positive things. Let's move on to England on Saturday. 
Oh, will it go ahead? You say positive, we don't know if it's going ahead. Okay, let's, oh, let's assume let's that assume. the England game, otherwise <laughs> we sit there and we go, what are you drinking on Saturday while there's no rugby on, Jane? It doesn't make for a good podcast. <laughs> I um, I think it will go ahead. I think the compromise should be reached. That's my prediction. What, what do we reckon, guys? Do you think uh, it'll go ahead? I think it will. Yeah, I, I think it, it, with what's at stake, with the, the loss of money for, for everybody, isn't it? I think it'll end up going ahead just for those reasons. Yeah. Would you reckon, Spitch? Yeah, there's there's 10 million on the line. Like, this is the World Rugby Union's biggest fundraiser for two years. And this is a World Cup year where they get the rest of the year after this game, they've got two World Cup warm ups, and that's it. That's, you know, and Judgment Day, but like, that's it for international rugby. There's no autumn internationals. It's, they need this game more than ever, really. Yeah, yeah, it'll go ahead, won't it? it? It's surprising how much something like that will focus the mind on. We've had two years to sign this deal. They've had two <laughs> years to work on this deal, and now we're at the we're a week away from the well, we're six, five days away from the England game, and now people are starting to go right we re- we really really need to get this signed we really need to get it it's just it's welsh rugby all over and it? it's mm. you know it's it's lazy it's it's slow it's sluggish it's self-interested it's it's all the bad stuff all kind of rolled into one and then you've got players wanting to play that game and you know no nobody wants to turn down a cap when you get the opportunity to win a Welsh cap, you you snap someone's arm off for it, you know, and and it's not fair on those players to be put in that position. But there it is. That's what I say. That's Welsh rugby. So mm. let's assume. Let's assume that it goes ahead. Let's assume that it goes ahead. Yes. Okay. So thinking? <laughs> for for a game, how sober do you have to be to watch that game? <laughs> Because <laughs> you, I mean, th- th- that's that's your bread and butter. That's what you do after me. I'm off cut before kickoff because it, it it eases the game through there. But it does it take an edge off the game for you having to kind of see it in a different way? Oh, was that to me? Sorry. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in some ways, um, I find I tend to just watch Wales as a fan primarily, um, and then we'll watch it back in a kind of at the minute in a very cold post-mortem. Um, <laughs> and it's sort of, mis- it's been miserable lately. Um, but I find it does often, sometimes it, like the World Cup semi-final, I found it really helped afterwards. Like I was, uh, after that game, I watched it with my mum and my brother and we got the hundred Pollards as his kick was going over, um, my mum said, this just doesn't feel fair. And then me and my brother sat in silence for the rest of the game. Then the game finished. We watched all of the punditry. We watched that in total silence. No, none of us said a word. My mum left the room. Uh, we then, me and my brother were still sat in silence on the sofa. And Johnny English Reborn started on ITV. And both of us sat and watched it in silence. We watched the entire <laughs> film without saying a word. <laughs> and it wasn't until about an hour after that I got up and started to stress eat and eventually we started talking and I found it was actually going back and kind of analyzing the game going like okay this is where it didn't go so well this is where it could have changed or things could have been different or you know why the game was so close yeah. but actually it started to help 
process it you know it's kind of dealing with the the stage of the guilt of the grief um so i think that's i'm fully preparing that to be my saturday evening uh, <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely yeah I, I, i'm bracing myself for the whole thing mm. can i be positive unusually positive mm. Serious though, right? If there was one game where Wales can put everything on the line, put their emotions in check, it would be against England in Cardiff. Mm. And that's why I actually I would not be surprised if we beat England. Now I know that's a big call with the way things are going and how we're playing, but honestly, if there was one game where we put it out the bag, I think they could do it against England. In a, at the Principality Stadium. Yeah, I think it being in Cardiff and this being such a transitional England team as well. Yeah, I, I can I can completely see it. Um, and Gatlin is so good at that kind of tying a squad together and doing that and using yeah. that as a springboard. Um, I can completely see it. I can also see it being a kind of record loss in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying we will win. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, you know, I can. No, I can see that world completely. Yeah. <laughs> Could I ask? Um, could I ask? Uh, I got a, a, a few short questions from Emil. Would it be? I'd like to ask her about the England game, but, uh, and it's in regards to uh, uh, somebody's asked uh, if Ford and Smith are both fit and if um, available, who would you start alongside Farrell? Um, I mean, I think George Ford is a better player. If it was the first game of a campaign, I'd start Ford. I would put Fat Smith at ten and bring Ford off the bench where we are right now, and I also think he's a he's a great impact player, George Ford. That's kind of often underrated because he's got a pretty complete skill set. You look at how different he played when he came off the bench against Australia in the last World Cup. We came on and just kicked the lever off it because he saw that was what the game needed. Compared to how he played against Scotland earlier that year, where he came on and was such a kind of attacking force. Um, yeah, I that's what I would do. Uh, though also, if I was the England coach, I'd pick like. Ollie Chesham at 10 and just see how it goes because um, I'd want them to lose. <laughs> <laughs> you were just worried for a minute. <laughs> Did you see at the end of Scrum 5 with the, um, the Eddie Iron Evans on about the 93 game in Cardiff? Yeah, no. did, yeah. No, I, I was there for that game. Wow. I, I was at the very... Uh, when they do the big ba- um, shot, there's a British gas banner. I was on the R of the British gas. Oh, wow. Right behind there. <laughs> and um, it's it's one of those... We were shit at the time. We were absolutely... We were getting pasted left, right. And oh, it's right. the 90s, wasn't it? Where you're still yeah. the 90s. Where... But, well, that's where we're heading to, unfortunately, isn't it? <laughs> well, but we, 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 I mean, we were all over the shop at the time, and England were yeah. just coming into like their golden kind of period. And everything in that game said that we were going to get an absolute kick in and off. And it was the first game I that I went to where I wasn't in the under-15s um, terrace at the top. It was the first game of being in the proper terrace where people tell you, you know, keep your hands in your pockets because at halftime somebody will come down beside you and, and piss in your pocket and all of that kind of <laughs> stuff. All, all of that kind of stuff going on. And so I was saying to my boy today about the, the beatable advert mm. that went out. And it it just captured everything. With, and it was what we were all saying through the week, you know, 
beatable. Grab some eggs. They're beatable. Grab a drum. It's beatable. England, beatable. And I just wish we had something like that now. Mm. I, I, wish, I wish we had a a campaign, a BBC campaign or, or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Just something that... They used like, to do really good promos, didn't they, BBC Wales, yeah. over the years? But we, we don't see that anymore, do we? You know? But it's, it's it, would, it would give us something to get behind. Yeah, you know I mean? it would. It would, yeah. it would say for a couple of minutes, you know, forget about everything else. Just just for 80 minutes or 100 minutes on Saturday, none of that matters. Mm. It, it can matter again after the game, but when the ref blows the whistle or the anthems start, you know, this is... This is what it's about, and we, yeah. we desperately, desperately need something that says that this is it's doable, and mm. you know, a bit of belief in ourselves and that kind of stuff. Because I say we we were way, way more shit back in '93 than we are now. You know, oh god, yeah, more shit. Oh, um, god. You know, now we only look shit. Back then, we were <laughs> proper oh. shit. You know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Well, a couple of weeks before that game in 93, they, they did a whole tour of the country. Uh, Alan Davis trying to get coaches like the start of Coach CPD. And mm. um, I was one of the boys that was used to, like he, he, he had the kids at the time, which was me. Um, and he kind of like demonstrate coaching techniques and this, that and the other. So I'm I'm on the pitch and I got Alan Davis, um, and it was one of the props and one of the backs at the time that, and you're sitting, you're going like, oh, this is this is really good, this is really real, I'm I'm, I'm loving this, I'm I'm amazed, and then you get this reality that actually we're doing this because we're really really shit, and, <laughs> and, do you know what I mean? So you know we've come on so far since then, we we have, but. Yeah, we just need something to we need something to lighten the mood to talk about next week because otherwise next week's mm. gonna be fucking horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question I got for you then, Squidge. So mm. Gatlin's in a bit of a tricky place at the moment because he's gotta decide does he keep faith with the old guard or does he carry on bringing in the new um, the new blood? Well, how do you think Gatlin should approach this England game? Because he is in a bit of a tricky dilemma now. So how would you approach it? This a really interesting one isn't it it's a really big question yeah. um i think you look at like just looking at the 10 position right because it's wales um dan bigger <laughs> had one of his i think my brother mentioned this will mention this on he was on blood and mud and like we went through we got up a list of dan bigger's wales appearances and the only game i could think of where he was arguably as bad as he was against scotland was the 16 all draw with fiji in 2010 um yeah. so you're <laughs> Yeah, I was there. I was all. I left school early to get to Cardiff on time. And boy, I wish I'd done double maths instead. Um, they sold out of hot dogs 20 minutes into the game. <laughs> that's that's how bad that game was. That's Just, the best statistic I've ever hit. <laughs> yeah, I went down to get hot dogs 20 minutes into the game because I was bored as hell and they'd already sold out. Sorry, I interrupted. One, no, no, no. One of the worst games I ever played. Um, just atrocious <laughs> and yeah I think Dan Bigger had a game on par with that I thought he was atrocious and yes. like I I tweeted about this but like, I really hated how he handled the Rio Dyer thing um, oh, I know. Yeah. and I'm sure this has all been covered a million times I thought he yeah. was petulant and childish and poor 
and well below his usual standards, which normally yeah. means a week later, Dan Bigger puts in a world-class performance. Um, that's the thing, is that, yeah. That's the thing, is like, you're kind yeah. of going like, the sensible thing would be you put someone else in now, but you look at the other yeah. 10s in the squad and there isn't really a a young guy you can look at and go, okay, you're the 10 for the future. And there isn't Gareth Anscombe, who is tried and tested as a starting 10. So you're mm-hmm. kind of going like, what your choice is Reese Patchell, who has played very well, but he's only ever played well when he's coming for someone that is injured or missing. Uh, and I rate Reese Patchell and I like him a lot, but yeah. he's too old now to be the, we're investing in you for the next how many ever years? Because he's probably got maybe three or four more years than Dan Bigger. And Yes, it's a World Cup cycle, but it doesn't feel like the kind of momentum swing and the kind of changing of the guard. Um, and yeah, and it kind of because and I know when Williams is a similar age, I think he's slightly older than Patchell. Um, so there isn't a kind of like there isn't the Costello option, and that makes sense because Costello was below what I think we were all hoping in the autumn when given the chance, and that isn't to write him off, but that's like he clearly I think needs a bit more time before he's ready. Um, and maybe needs a couple of games before you can chuck him in against England. Though he was always outstanding against England age grade level. That was always the game he was best in. So maybe actually yeah. we should put Sam Costello at 10. Um, but Wales have kind of been left in a position where, because as I mentioned, Pivac did that thing where he capped about a third of the population. Actually, statistically, I think one of us should have a cap from Pivac. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> you put five Welsh qualified people in a room. And providing one of them has played in the premiership at some point, he will have capped them. Um, but that was kind of the, the Wayne Pivak approach was he gave caps to a billion players. They all got kind of free caps and then he discarded them. And he referred, you know, he just loved options. Wayne Pivak, he just loved having options yeah. um, more than he loved creating international standard rugby players. But it's kind of left words in a position where they've got lots and lots of players they know they could put in, but none who they know they can rely on. Um, so it's kind of, you're kind of left in... A situation where you can't do the thing that Gatlin did in 2011, where he went, here's a generation of players who are between 20 and 23, 24, and we're going to trust them now, as he did when he kicked Martin Williams out, you know, when he brought the Falatel Lydia Warburton in, etc., when he changed a lot of that team, Jonathan Davis yeah. in, and so on. He hasn't got those options now um, in the same way, and he's done. Joe Hawkins has happened, but then do you go, is it a risk too far if you put Mason Grady alongside him? It's all a bit of a mess where we haven't got the players in the positions to do that. Yeah. But also, if you look at the Welsh players that play best, they are in the Six Nations. They are Josh Adams, who I think has been really, really good, um, despite everything around him. And then, like, I think Adam Beard's been solid. I think there's been a few players who've been solid, but they're all the younger players, generally. Uh, Joe Hawkins played well. Um, They're generally the younger players. They're generally not the, the reputational players that have been lent on, which should be a positive, but it doesn't feel like it this week. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, though, because if you look at the Six Nations, it is the younger players that stood out, isn't it? So, like, so Dab mm. Jenkins, Chris Johnson, yeah. Joe Hawkins. Um, I really want to see a big game from George North, because mm. I think he needs to buck his God. ideas up. And now, I, I like George North a lot, but I, I need to see a big game from him now, because I think he's been unspeakably poor so far in the Six Nations. And I agree with you about Dan Bigger. This is exactly the kind of game where he'll step up and be like man of the match. You know, mm. that, that is damn bigger. Also, Liam Williams as well. I don't know if he's going to be included, but he's become a liability, you know, two yellow cards so far. And again, I like Liam, but I, I just want to see these players now really step up, especially George North. I think they, they do big games for England now, aren't they? 
Mm. I, I've always thought that um, if you if you pick like a young centre, you need an older centre next to him or somebody around him just to marshal him and bring him through that experience, isn't it? But the way George North is playing and the way Joe, uh, Joe Hawkins is playing, why not throw Mason Grady in and, and allow uh, Joe Hawkins mm. just to, to, to manage him and send him up like a battering ram? Mm. I've been thinking about Nick Tompkins, and I know he's not a Gatlin player, but I just wanted to see fit in to this game, Nick Tompkins. You know, he does play in the Premiership. You'll know a lot of the England players he's playing against. But uh, it would mean dropping Joe Hawkins, which is harsh. But, I mean, I, I just don't know. I wouldn't want to be Gatlin picking this team because it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, we want to bring through players, but we also want to beat England, don't we? You know, we have to get yeah. our chance of beating England. It's a tough one, Squidge, isn't it? Yeah, well, Nick Tompkins feels like the quintessential PVAC player. Like, I just can't yeah. imagine him. But then I've always, like, there's always been these two Nick Tompkins. There's been Saracens Nick and Wales Nick. And Wales Nick's <laughs> a kind of, like, chaotic presence who can just do anything at a given time. Whereas Saracens Nick is, like, a hard-running system for a team who only runs the lines he's told to by the coach. And it's like, there's two... Com- I don't know if Gatlin is just, like, he's waiting until he's managed to coach him into being, like, coax Saracens Nick out of him. Like, this kind of Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> situation going on at 13. I don't know. Um, maybe if he can get Saracen's Nick out, that'd work. But it's, oh, I don't know. He just feels so PVAC that I forget yeah. that it's an option. I forget that Gatlin's allowed <laughs> to pick him. <laughs> like Josh McLeod coming back in, you know, the two most quintessentially PVAC players. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but would you now put Alan Wynne Jones in for secondary? It feels like of all the games you're going to bring Alan Wynne Jones back in mm. for, England is the game because he will just wind up at least six of the England pack and they'll be so focused on going at him that they'll actually forget that there's a ball there. <laughs> so do, do you bring Alan Wynne jones in for this game? I would. I would. I think this Welsh pack needs both, not just experience, but nastiness. And Alan Wynne's very good at providing that. And Jenkins, I feel we've seen him do some very good shit hours in twenties level, but it's a different thing when you put up against players that you've been watching on TV for a long time. Um, and I think Alan Wynn would be key to that. And I also think a lot of people get hung up on this idea of him being too old and bloody bloody blah, but he is still within the three best performing second rows in Wales. Like he is still, you know, good enough to be in the team. Um and he was outstanding in those two games at Leicester and Montpellier. And I thought I don't think he was a problem against Ireland. You know, I thought there were a lot of people automatically pointing to him being poor because the team were playing poorly. But I think he yeah. was, it was an average performance rather than a poor performance um, mm. in a team that was atrocious. Um, so I would, I would put Alan Wynn back in. Absolutely. And if he shits the bed, that's it. Fine. Grand. Done. Thank you very much. Sailing off into the night as the most cut player of all time. Richie McCaw wiping a single tear away. But... I, I I think this is a game for Alan Wynne Jones, if ever I saw one. Yeah. I, I I'm just happy that I've heard somebody else use the phrase shit the bed it's and, the and... <laughs> No, Lee, it's a common phrase. I can't it's like I come on this podcast, Richard, and it said shit the bed. He's pissed himself laughing. Who says that? Like pretty much everyone leaves. Oh, you should have said, yeah. We just, Thank you, think, it's a common phrase. Not, not in Pembroke. <laughs> I think we must have a bit more culture and class you... than my end of the world voice. <laughs> How do you describe Callum Sheedy if you don't use the phrase shit the best? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just call him an Osprey wannabe, so, you know, that kind of... <laughs> 
Uh, <clears throat> right, let's um, let's finish up then with some predictions for uh, for the England game. Some score predictions. We we're, we're gonna have to do it. We're gonna have to bite the bullet. Jamie, you are allowed to be positive. You are allowed to embrace the the idea that you know you're you're predicting a Wales win won't automatically mean that we shit the bed. Okay, so you said that very naturally. <laughs> I've got it written down just so I don't get the words wrong. <laughs> the only so, problem is when I do try to be positive, it always backfires on me, which is why I think I should just stay being pessimistic. And as a Dragons fan, it is hard being optimistic, of course. So it's it's really difficult, this, you know, what you're asking me to do. Um, look, as I said, you know, if it was one game where Wales could put the problems behind them and put everything on the line and get a result, I think it would be England against Cardiff. But I just got a feeling that England will have too much for us. I think it's going to, their pack is going to have too much for us. I think it'd be one and lost up front. Um, I hope George Ford doesn't start. Uh, because George Ford is a fine player and he does play well against Wales. And I think England will be far more of an attacking threat with George Ford, actually. Um, I'm going to go, I think it'd be tight. I'm going to go England by five points. Okay, Koki. So, Reese, what's, uh, what's your one? I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the, the English side are coming together a little bit more. Uh, and yeah, what we're talking about, like the, the mental health, the way the, the, the state of players' heads are at the moment. Uh, mm. So I'm going to say England by 10, unfortunately. Bastard. That's negative. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's really negative. Yeah. I, so I'm you try to be more positive. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave Squidge do, do it last. Though. Okay. I'm just, I want you to finish on a peak. Yeah. So I'm, oh. I'm gonna go with, and, and you're gonna love this now, right? Wales 10, England 9. We're going to repeat the 93, the, the 93 um, <laughs> victory. Yeah, We're not going to see the ball for the whole of the second half. And real die spend... is the run. <laughs> 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 but we're going to have one break. We're going to put the ball over the line once, then we'll have a penalty. They'll have three penalties, and we're just going to spend the whole of the second half going holy shit, I can't take another 40 minutes of this. How long? You'll be looking at your watch from about 38 minutes in going, I can't take much more of this, boys. But we're going to come out, it's going to be 10-9, and it's going to be absolutely fucking mental. That's my prediction. That's a lovely dream you've got, Amy. <laughs> I, do, I, do it, I do it every week, every week. And the one week I don't, but the one week I don't do it, the one week I don't give the whole Scarlets are going to do this, we go in and turn in a performance like we did last Saturday. And I was sitting there going like, yeah, we might beat Edinburgh by one fucking point. So, yeah, you know. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. So, Squidge, what's, what's, your, uh, what's view, your view on the England game? I mean, um, there's a quote from Wales Online right before we started. Uh, one player told Wales Online he thinks the union think the players are going to cave. They think the strike's going to go ahead. Um, so at, at the minute, the, the argument's saying it's going to be a nil-nil draw with England getting a bonus point win, um, which is a cop-out answer. But I think if the game does go ahead, honestly, my instinct is England by 15. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I just, go. I there's, I think there's a world in which Wales win by, I think if Wales win, it's probably by 
like a surprising margin. It's probably not by one or two points. It's probably by, I mean, Warren Gatland teams never beat anyone by 20 points, but it could be one of those Warren Gatland games where they win by four points, but it feels like 40 because the other team's never in it. Or I think it's just going to be horrible. It's going to be kind of comprehensive and Mm. England never letting Wales out. Maybe just being excited to see the Ospreys play again after sitting through Wales and then being crushed there has left me only looking forward to seeing Wales women play. And then that's going to go horribly. So maybe I'm just losing everything. I'm just, I'm going to be a husk until I see Chile play again. I don't know. Um, But yeah, um, I think England by a very scary scoreline and I don't like saying it. Well, I, I thought we were going to finish. Yeah, I thought we were yeah. going to finish on a bit positive. <laughs> so one. Yes, yes, no. Sorry. Can I ask one more? Yes, no answer. Um, do you keep a tally, uh, Squidge, of how many different names for Johnny Sexton that you use in your videos? <laughs> no idea how many I'm at. <laughs> Andrew Ford did a compilation of a lot of them. He couldn't possibly have got through all of them because there's so bloody many over, like, what, five and a half years now or something. Um, It's completely ridiculous. It's grown completely out of hand. Uh, In many ways, I regret starting that joke. But um, you know what? It was... I, I started it because there was one... I did a video on, I did two videos on Leinster having done one on Ireland beforehand and like in quick succession. And I'd written Sexton's name so many times. Once I just wrote sex thing instead. And a (laughs) Ireland fan then wrote, then commented saying, I can't believe you got Jonathan Sexton's name wrong. I'm so offended and upset. I've unsubscribed. (laughs) And I thought, well, I'm I'm never calling him by his proper name again. (laughs) Five years later. I'm still keeping that bit up. <laughs> good work, Squidge. You're doing all yeah. the good work. That's Love it. People, people think the Squidge hates Ireland thing is overblown, but I have spent five years campaigning to piss off one Leinster fan. There's two brothers that run like a an Irish tailor shop called Sexton's that are so angry with me. <laughs> And I get like twice a year, I get a message from one of them being furious with me. It's very good. Thanks for the the very, very last question. I promise now, right? Very, very last question. Austin Healy and all of the shit that went on there. Where where is all of that at the minute? Because I just thought the way that that blew up was hilarious. It's ridiculous. Because I I sent that tweet on my way out, like I'd been watching the game. I kind of got slightly frustrated at the fact that Austin Healy was talking about the referee rather than like what was a really great game of rugby. Sent that tweet, probably shouldn't have sent it, but you know we've all made mistakes on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and I then went out and I was meeting some people, and then like I checked my phone like two hours later or something, and I had loads of messages from people just saying fight him, <laughs> no context. <laughs> So I had to kind of like, I say, dive into that and be like, what's going what? Austin Healy's invited me out to the car park for a scrap. That was a completely ridiculous evening. And then like, he brought it up twice more. Like he kept mentioning this, like, well, bloody you space tuber that I'm going to fight in a car park somewhere. And like, at the end of the day, right? Like, 
I could have played this up. I could have gone in whatever direction. I could have invited, you know, if he gave me a time and a place, I'd probably turn up. But at the end of the day, I'm an adult. And yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got no interest in fighting Austin Healy, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm a grown-up. Like, I just... I've got better things to be doing, you know. I've got like bills to pay. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, then, gents. uh... (laughs) What a note to end. Yeah, what a way to end. (laughs) And the bit I'm taking out of that that last little bit is that yeah, he's 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 up for it. He'll have a fight. Go on. Name a date. <laughs> well, the, yeah. the thing I thought is like if Austin Healy gave me a time and place, and I'm going to say this is it probably isn't going to happen now, is what I would have done is I would have turned up and just let him beat me up and asked him if it made him feel better. <laughs> <laughs> you feel big now. Is, yeah, is that done it? Is that how are you doing, Austin? I think you need this more than I do. When we send this out, Twitter's just going to fucking melt down, boys. <laughs> 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 we got right. Yeah. right on on that note then uh i just want to thank you for your time uh oh, thank, thank, thank you for having me thank you for coming on really nice appreciate it thank you yeah no it's and, been great uh, fun thank you for having me my my boy is still playing badminton and hasn't arrived back he's going to be so pissed off it's unreal but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope he's uh, won <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you for your time tonight, mate. Greatly appreciated. Um, I hope your England predictions are wrong. But um, <laughs> yeah, all the very best yet, and we shall catch up with you again in the future, mate. Have a good Brilliant. one. Look forward to it. Cheers. Thanks for having Cheers, me. Mate. Cheers, Robbie. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you for listening to this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it enough to come back next week and listen again. So please do subscribe, rate and review the pod as it really helps us on most of the platforms that we appear on. You can keep the conversation going on Twitter and Facebook by searching for us on RAP, W-R-R-A-P. Or you can email us on Welsh Regional Rugby Pod at Gmail. We'll be back next week to do some more of the same. We hope you'll come and enjoy us. And in the meantime, enjoy your rugby. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.